Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. We are going to start um, right there because that's where we've started every uh, message in this series. Paul writes this to believers, but really just to people everywhere. He says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We talked about that last week, how, how we need to make the most and redeem every opportunity and not waste our lives. And he says, therefore, do not be foolish. Don't be a fool. We talked about that in week two. Don't be a fool, but understand what the Lord's will is. Um, has anybody ever heard of the term food regret? Anybody? I got two people. Good. I can teach you about food regret. Food regret um, is, a, is a silent killer. Food regret is uh, a disease that um, I would say, according to my statistics, affects six out of every ten people. And um, it affects specifically me. I have uh, massive amounts of food regret. Let me, let, me, let me guide you into an example of what food regret is. And by the way, uh, uh, my wife, because we've been together so much since we've been married, uh, she has inherited this disease from me of food regret. We both share this, the, the symptoms of this, uh, of this disorder. And, and what it is, is um, every time that we are about to eat or partake in a meal, we start to think, well, we need to make sure we get something that we're going to like. Y'all have, have all done that before when you're about to go out to eat? You start arguing with your family. You start arguing with your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, or your friends. Like, where are we going to eat? And you might talk about it forever. So that's, that's the first step of food regret is that in fear of regretting what we eat and regretting uh, the decision that we made, we decide, okay, we've got to be very careful. Where do you want to go to eat? And so we have been known to just drive in circles for like 10, 15 minutes. And sometimes I'll just park because I'm like, Okay, if we're going to take forever, we might as well not waste gas. And we'll just pull over, and we'll be sitting there. We'll be like, okay, where do you want to go? Uh, well, I want, like, salad or something, I don't know, something that she likes, like girl food and tapas and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I want Chick-fil-A or barbecue, basically all the time. And so we'll go back and forth, and we try to find a compromise so that we both do not have food regret. Food regret. And so that's how it starts. And we spend all this time and this energy going over, where are we going to go eat? Where are we going to go eat? And we go back and forth. Well, I want this. Well, do they have that? We start looking at menus online and all this kind of stuff. And then we finally make a decision of where to go. And if we're lucky, it's something like pizza or tacos because there, there's really not many options when you get there. But um, have any of you ever been to Cheesecake Factory? Okay, that place is the most ridiculous place on the planet. It's got an encyclopedia menu. And if you've, ever, if you've ever gone through it, it's like, how can you have spaghetti, egg rolls, and like steak and pizza, like all on the same menu? There's no way that any of that is fresh. It's probably all frozen, and you could probably get it at Publix or uh, at a Winn-Dixie or something like that out of a freezer section. But you pay $25 for an entree, so lucky you. So we don't go there, but... Um, I hate restaurants where there's like a million things on the menu and you're like, oh my gosh, like I, I don't even know where to go. I don't even know what to look at. And there's like all these sections and I start like looking at all the pictures and I'm confused and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to regret what I eat. And especially because we're going to spend money on it, I, I especially don't want to regret it. And so we'll sit there and, and like, the, like the waiter will come out to us like 15 times and be like, um, are y'all ready? And we're like, no, not yet. We're still going through everything and, and we're trying to figure it out because we don't want to have food regret. We don't want the food to get there and then us feel like, oh, I shouldn't have gotten that. that that's, that's how you know you have food regret is that you constantly are saying, I should have gotten this or I shouldn't have gotten this. And so that's kind of like the next step. 
And you start looking at the pictures and all that stuff. Finally, we make a selection. And then you move on to the next part of food regret. The next part of food regret is that the food comes out. And this is when it gets really bad. Because you start to look at your food and you start to compare it maybe to the picture that was in the menu, and you start to think, ah, this, didn't re- this doesn't really look like what was up on the, on the menu. This doesn't look like what was online. The only, place, um, the only place where food looks better in person than it does on the menu, does anybody know? No, Chinese restaurants. Chinese restaurants. I don't know how like a place like 10 years ago in Tampa has the same exact picture as a place in Jacksonville 10 years later, but somehow they all have the exact same pictures in every single Chinese restaurant. And so we go to these Chinese restaurants and and they might have good food compared to the picture, but most places the food does not look as good as the picture. And so you start to regret it even more. Oh, maybe we shouldn't have come here. Maybe I shouldn't have ordered this. Maybe, maybe, see Karen, we should have gotten barbecue. We should have gotten, we should have gone to to, to Chick-fil-A. And she's like, I'm so tired of Chick-fil-A. I'm so tired of barbecue. I want to go somewhere with like regular food that like regular people like. And so we kind of go back and forth and we're having food regret. But the worst thing about food regret is when you see the person sitting across from you and you want what they want. Has anybody ever experienced this? We've all experienced this. You have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you have a parent, a sibling, and you see that they have something and you say, I should have gotten that. And then and then, uh, like, me and Karen, we kind of have this game where we kind of, like, once we realize that we're having food regret and that we really want what the other person wants, sometimes Karen will say, oh, so, like, we're going to, like, each have half of each other's, right? And I'm like, no, 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 that's not, that's not how this is going to work. I got what I wanted. But if it goes the other way, I do the same thing. I'm like, hey, Karen, how about, like, I trade you, like, eight bites of mine for, like, three bites of yours. And she's like, no, I kind of got what I want. Sorry, you're out of luck. You got food regret. And so we, we spend all this time trying to avoid food regret so that, um, so that we can spend the money on what we want and eat what we want and all that kind of stuff. And, and food regret's kind of a, kind of a silly thing, but, but I'm constantly asking myself, uh, oh man, I should have gotten this, or I should have done this. I'm like the king of I should have, and I, and I like regret everything. I'm like, I should have gone here. I should have gone there. I should have done this at work today. I should have gone to the gym. I shouldn't have gone to the gym. I should have uh, watched this show. I should have watched this game. I should have gone here. And I do that all the time because I'm constantly living like in this, like, this state of regret, especially when it comes to food, but, but when we're really talking about real regret, we know that food regret is, is really not that big of a deal. Most of you didn't even know that you, that you have food regret, um, but if anything, it's gone by dinner or the next time that you go out to eat, you kind of forget about it. It's here today, gone tomorrow, and, and it's over, but there is a regret, and there are far bigger regrets in life than food regret or than some of these, these arbitrary like moments each day where we make these little decisions and we're like, ah, maybe I should have done something else. And what I've found and what scripture talks about and what people talk about, if we're going to talk about wisdom, people that have gone before you, is that regret associated with unwise sexual decisions is the strongest regret there is. And maybe, maybe you know that because you've experienced this and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. I have some regrets in my life, but, but maybe you don't believe me. But I would ask you to consider that you don't know everything. I would also ask you to consider that there are a lot of people and a lot of experiences that I and, and, and other life group leaders and other people, maybe your parents, uh, maybe some of your friends have, that, that has to do with this. I, I've seen grown men in their 30s and 40s cry because years and years ago they had a bunch of relationships and a bunch of sexual decisions that 
they really regret. And that looking uh, now that they have uh, a wife and kids and all those kind of things, they look back and they say, I shouldn't have done it. If only I hadn't gotten in that relationship. If only I hadn't knocked on that door. If only I hadn't made that phone call. And I've seen plenty of people come down to the altar. I've seen plenty of people come into my office that, that are crying, guys and girls, about sexual sin. The sin that, that is associated with unwise decisions in the area of sex. And nothing tears apart families Maybe some of you have experienced this, unfortunately. Nothing tears apart families. Nothing tears apart relationships. Nothing tears apart lives like sexual sin. I have a friend whose family was torn apart by a sexual decision that her father made years ago. And it tore uh, husband from wife. It tore brother from sister. It told, uh, tore uh, the parents from the, from the children. And the truth is, it, it, there's, there's a million stories. And some of you have experienced it. Some of you haven't. Some of you have known people that experienced it. But there's a million stories about the regret associated with sexual sin. And so we want to ask ourselves tonight. We want to take the best question ever and we want to apply it to sex. And so that question will be, what is the wise thing to do when it comes to sex? If you're taking notes, you can, you can write that down. What is the wise thing to do when it comes to sex? And I'm hoping you can be mature here, but I'm going to explain what I'm talking about when I talk about sex. You know, I'm not like the biggest sugarcoater. And if I sugarcoat everything and you go and, and you do something you regret, um, that would not be, uh, I would have not done my job. And so I have to be... Um, uh, I have to just be, just be completely forward with you and forthright with you when, when we talk about this. So when we talk about sex, we're talking about a lot of things. We're talking about lust. We've all lusted. Uh, Jesus talked about how like lust is the beginning of sexual sin. It, it is what turns you towards adultery and turns you towards um, some of the things that, that you will regret. So lust, looking after someone as if they're an object. Looking after someone as if, like, I just want you for what your body can do for my body. So there's lust. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about sex. We're talking about pornography. The statistics say that probably 80% of the people in this room have looked at or consistently look at some type of pornography. That is, that is the statistic. And you can say, oh, not me or not my friends, but you would be surprised. I promise you, you would be Surprise! And so we're talking about pornography. We're talking about any time you are looking at pictures uh, or, or videos of someone that has to do with a sexual nature. We're talking about um, the messaging and the sexting that you do. And, and I hear about this all the time. And, and whether you participate in it or not, um, that is a part of it. It is, it is sending messages out or taking in messages or sending pictures or whatever of a sexual nature that have to do with objectifying people's bodies, lusting after other people, um, treating them as if they are an object. We're talking about anything that uh, precedes the word sex. We're talking about oral sex. We're talking about regular intercourse. We're talking about anal sex. We're talking about any type of sex, anything that has the word sex after it. There's a reason it has the word sex after it. Why? Because it's sex. Otherwise, they wouldn't say that. But that they are all different ways that you basically simulate sex. And so that's what we are talking about when we are talking about the wisdom and the wise thing to do when it comes to sex. And, and as we talked about the first week, if we only ask what's right or wrong in this area, we will go down a path we don't want to go down. I promise you. I promise you. You may think, oh, it's great in the moment. You may think this is great. I can't wait to tell my friends about this. I can't wait to, 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 to experience this or that or whatever. But I promise you, if all you ask, is it right or wrong? Is it legal or illegal? You're going to get yourself in a world of regret, in a world of trouble. Because we must ask ourselves, what is the wise thing to do when it comes to sex? Not what is right 
or wrong. And we know this past week was Valentine's Day. I, I don't, I'm not a real big Valentine's Day fan. It's kind of like a made-up holiday um, that's just there to steal your money on overpriced chocolate and overpriced uh, teddy bears and all that kind of stuff. Um, but what is, the, what is the draw of Valentine's Day? We all know what it is. It's the power of love, right? It's the power of your heart. And we maybe all don't know the old song that said, listen to your heart when it's calling for you. Listen to your heart. And, and, and so um, there uh, is this full day that's just, that's just dedicated to us following after what our heart tells us to do. What our heart tells us to do. You'll, you'll even hear teachers sometimes say, you just need to follow your heart. You just need to do whatever your heart tells you to do. That might not be the best advice. And, and if, we are, if we believe that God is the ultimate, um, the ultimate in Scripture um, of, of, of wisdom and the ultimate source of wisdom, we have to look at his word. And there was a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah 17, 9, uh, 9 there is a verse. And here is how Jeremiah... Speaking for God describes the heart. You know, the world says, oh, listen to your heart. Whatever it says is true. Whatever it says you must do, you must go after what your heart tells you. Here is how the prophet Jeremiah, speaking for God, described the heart. It's not maybe what you think it would be. Verse 9 of chapter 17. The heart is deceitful. That means it lies. The heart is deceitful above all things. That means there is no one that lies like our hearts. And who does the heart lie to? It doesn't heart lie to someone else. They can't hear your heart. The only person that knows what your heart's telling you to do is you. And so the heart lies day and night. And it lies to one person and one person only. And that is the person that it is in. It leads you into deceit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is beyond cure. That means there's not a lotion to fix it. There's not a pill to fix it. There's not counseling that can fix it. Your heart is beyond cure. And then he adds this. Who can understand it? We can't understand our hearts. There's a lot of times where we feel things that we, don't, we can't even describe. We don't even know why we feel those things. And yet we feel them, and yet we are told, you should follow that. You should go do that thing. Here's the truth. If you always follow the urges of your heart, you will be full of regret. If you follow the urges of your heart, you will be full of regret. And here's the thing about our heart. We all think that our situation is unique. I mean, that's because you've, you've heard growing up, you know, you're like a butterfly, you're special, and those things are all true. You are valuable, you are, worth, um, you are worth Jesus dying on the cross for you. So you are valuable, you are unique, but we all think our situations are unique. Here's what I mean by that. When it comes to the area of unwise decisions with sex, here's what we all say to ourselves, and it happens over and over again. We, we all do this. I've done it to myself before. We think, well, no one's ever felt like this. Well, Our relationship is different than their relationship. Well, I'm more mature than that person, or or I can handle it. We might say, trust me, I got this. I I don't need your your input, mom. I don't need your input, life group leader, or friend, or God. Man, I don't care because I know what my heart is saying, and I can handle it. My situation is unique. And, And you guys do it all the time. I do it all the time. We are basically lying to ourselves. Remember what the Bible says. The heart is deceitful above all things. And so if we are constantly following the urges of our heart, it's going to lead us into doing things that we regret. I promise you. 
I promise you, and if one person can take this message tonight and apply it to your life, then it's all worth it because you do not want to live with the regret that will come from making unwise decisions in the area of sex. And we all think, it's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to deal with the, the consequences. I'm, I, I'm older. I, I got this. I, I, I can figure it all out. But the truth is, everyone thinks that. Your situation is not unique. A million other people have experienced the exact same situation. They've been in the bedroom. They've had the temptation. They've had a girlfriend just as hot as yours. They've had a boyfriend just as hot as yours. They've been in those situations, and there's either a wise decision or an unwise decision. Millions and billions of other people have sat there at a computer and had the opportunity to click on something that they should not look at. And they might say, well, my situation's unique. I can handle it. I won't get addicted. I, I, I won't look at this anymore. This isn't a big deal for me. I can look at it once and never look at it again. Ask somebody older than you. Maybe ask your friend if that's the truth. Because the truth is, the heart is deceitful. It will lie to you. And it will tell you that your situation is different. But it's not. And you'll be full of regret. Here's, here's another thing for your notes. Following your heart leads you away from wisdom. A lot of us think it's like a split in the road. Like I can start walking this way and, and I can walk towards, to, towards that temptation, but then, but then I'll just veer off at the last second and, and I'll go towards wisdom. That, that's not the truth. Wisdom's over here. Wisdom's over here. And following your heart's over here. And you can only go one way or the other. Every time you take a step towards following your heart, you're taking a step away from wisdom. Every time you take a step towards wisdom, you're taking a step away from following your heart. But you cannot do both at once. And a lot of us think, yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah I'll just follow my heart. But then, but then when I get into a bad situation with my boyfriend or girlfriend, then when I get into this tempting situation, then when I'm about to look at the computer, then when I'm about to, my mind's about to go there, then at the last second, I'm just going to veer off real quick. I'm going to take an exit towards wisdom, and it's going to be all okay. Here's the truth. Your willpower is not that strong. Your willpower is not that strong. And if you follow your heart, it will lead you towards regret and away from wisdom. And the Bible talks about how um, there is always or there are always a series of unwise choices that leads into any sin when it comes to the area of sex. There's always a series. Like, like we don't just wake up one, like wake up and we're just like in a bed and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm having sex. Like there are a lot of situations and a lot of decisions that you make along the way. And, and the Bible has a, a, a separate a, a story of this in 2 Samuel 11. 2 Samuel 11, if you want to turn towards there, if you, you, you have it on your phone. 2 Samuel 11. And it tells a story about a guy named King David. Many of you have heard of him, even if you've really never been to church. And, uh, and a story of how some unwise decisions led him into sexual sin and even past sexual sin into some other types of sin that really just ruined his lives. And they will give us a truth. They will give us this truth. You don't mess up sexually all at once. It doesn't happen all at once. You go on a path towards messing up sexually. And so we're going to look at 2 Samuel 11. And I'm going to look at a few verses and then I'll skip ahead. It says this. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, keep that in your mind, kings go off to war. David sent Joab, that was his general, out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Unwise decision number one. 
Kings were supposed to lead their troops into battle. And what was David doing when his troop was out at battle? He was staying at home in luxury of being a king. He made an unwise choice, and it would lead somewhere. There are a series of unwise choices. You don't mess up sexually all at once. Then what, then what happens in verse 2? One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. Not bad, not wrong, not illegal. Maybe a bit unwise. What happens at night? Uh, you may have had a grandparent that says nothing good happens after like 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock or midnight or whatever. Um, they might say that. And, and, and kind of this, in this situation, it was true. He gets up one night, he gets out of bed, and it's like, I don't know what he was thinking, but perhaps he got out of bed because he couldn't sleep. Perhaps he was, his mind was drawn um, to some temptations. Perhaps he was feeling lonely. He wouldn't have felt lonely if he was at war with his entire army, but he's lonely because they've all left and he's just sitting in his palace. And so he gets up and he walks around on the roof of his palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the next verse is not, so he averted his eyes, he ran back into bed, he put the covers over his head and he fell fast asleep. We don't see that, do we? Here's the very next verse. The woman was very beautiful. Well, how did he know the woman was beautiful? He stared. He lingered in the moment. He made another unwise choice. He didn't see her and say, I probably shouldn't look there. I might, I might need to go back to bed. This might, this might become a bad situation. No, he just stares. And he realizes, even from a far away way, she's very beautiful. And then he makes another unwise decision. He sent someone to find out about her. Well, when a king sends someone to find out about her, it's kind of like this. Um, the king summoned you. You better go. Like, there is no, like, there, there is no, like, fact-finding mission. It's just like, what the king wants, the king gets. And, and David knew this. And so he sends someone to find out about her. And someone tries to stop him. The man that he sends says this. She's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife. Wife, David. Wife. Wife. She's married, David, of Uriah the Hittite. So this guy's just trying to, this guy's wiser than the king. He's like, hey, David, you might not want to go down this road. She has a husband. And look at what David does. You know what? You're right. I'm going back to bed. No, this is what we see. Then David sent messengers to get her. And I just realized something. Maybe, maybe, maybe God just put it on my heart. He sent someone to get her. That someone said, you probably shouldn't do that. And all of a sudden, there's somebodies. There's a multiple people. Because it sounds like David might have said, okay, you won't get her. I'll find somebody who will. Let me go get somebody who will. So he sends messengers to get her. And she came to him, and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. You see, you don't mess up sexually all at once. So he realizes she's pregnant. I'll just kind of fast forward. He realizes she's pregnant. He realizes he's in trouble. And so he summons Uriah home from battle. And Uriah comes home and he's like, hey, Uriah, how's everything going at the, at the, the battlefront? And he's like, uh, you know, this is going on, this is going on. He's like, okay, you know what? Go enjoy a night with your wife. And this is what Uriah says. All my, all my comrades, all my, all my, my fellow soldiers, they're, they're sleeping in tents. They don't have their wives. They're not comfortable. I'm not going to sleep with my wife. I'm not going to go home. And he slept outside David's palace on the floor. Man full of integrity, a man full of wisdom. And so David says, okay, well, this time I'm going to get him drunk. If I can get him drunk, maybe I can get him to do anything. I mean, it is his wife after all, and she is hot. I just slept with her. And so he gets him drunk, and he sends him to his house. And once again, Uriah says, I'm not doing that. It's not right, David. I'm going to stay here. And then David says, I'm screwed. 
I, I don't know what to do. And so his mind goes to a different direction, one that it never intended to go. He sends him with a letter back to the general. Uriah goes back to war. That letter to the general says this, I want you to put Uriah on the front line where the fighting is the worst. And in the middle of the fight, I want you to tell everybody to back off and I want you to let him get killed. This is the great King David making a series of unwise choices that ruins his life and kills another man. But it doesn't just kill another man because as they withdrew, even more men that wouldn't have died, die on the front lines. And then we'll skip ahead to the very end of the chapter. It says this, when Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought, had her brought. There was not really much choice in the matter for her. He had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David done, had done displeased the Lord. See, David put himself in some bad situations. He was living life on the edge of the cliff. You might have heard this when, when we talked about sex last year during the, the Netflix and Chill series. And we have a choice. We can either live close to the edge of sexual sin, or we can back away and draw some boundaries to protect ourselves, to protect the people around us, because our Decisions affect other people. And, and a lot of times we just, want to put, we just want to put ourselves in a situation that we like. And so we're like, I'll just get a little closer. This, this won't hurt. I'm different. I got a different situation. I'm old enough. I can handle this. My, I'm different from my friends. They're immature. I'm just going to take another step and another step and another step and another step. And all of a sudden we find ourselves hanging over the ledge. We, we, we've, we've basically got bought into this lie that it's like our heart, the, the, the wants of our heart are out in the middle of a canyon. And we're just walking towards it like a zombie, like, oh, I just want whatever, whatever you have for me. Not even realizing what's in front of us, that we're about to fall to our doom. We're about to fall to a place of total regret and agony. And so here's the best practical advice I can give you when it comes to wisdom and sex. Take extreme measures to protect yourself. Take extreme measures to protect yourselves. Maybe if you are addicted to pornography, you've got to take an extreme step. And what I'm about to say, you're going to say, that's ridiculous, right? I would never do that. That's so stupid. Why would you even say that? Maybe you need to go home to your parents and say, I'm addicted to pornography, and I want to check out my computer from you whenever I want it because I can't handle it in my room at night. I can't handle it on my own, and I need someone that will keep me from what I want in my heart. Maybe you need to say, I'll never be alone with my boyfriend or girlfriend. Or, I will break up this relationship because I know that I cannot handle it. That I am going to make a series of unwise choices that is going to lead me to a place I do not want to be. Whatever whatever that extreme circumstance is, you may think, that's too far. That's laughable. I would never do that. That's embarrassing. It's insane. That's just stupid, Ryan. You're living in a fantasy world. Here's what I can guarantee you. Someone, listen to this, someone who has already gone down that path. Maybe they're 20 years past it. Maybe they're two weeks past it. Someone who has already gone down that path is looking back saying, I would have done that. 
If I could go back and fix this situation, I would have I would have gotten rid of every computer or device I had so I wouldn't be addicted to pornography. I would have broken off that relationship. I would have broken up with that girlfriend or boyfriend. I would have told all my friends, we can't handle ourselves in private. You need to always be around us. I would have moved away. I would have run away. I would have changed my name. I would have done something because I did not want to put myself in this situation and now I can't go back and fix it. It seems crazy to you right now. And it might, you might get made fun of for it. But guess what? Guess what? In the end, you will benefit. You will benefit from wisdom. I would even ask you this, and this is just something to kind of think about in your mind. How extreme, when it comes to sexual boundaries and and, and those kind of things, how extreme do you want your future spouse to be? Maybe you'll do with whatever you want with your body, and you're like, it's not not a big deal. Hey, guys, how, how do you want your future wife to live her life right now? Wherever she is. She might be across the country. She might be in another nation. Um, she, she might be in middle school, high school, whatever. How do you want her to live her life? Do you want her to pursue what her heart tells her to do? Any guy that she sees, any computer screen she sees, sexting, all that kind of stuff, lust, lust, lust. Or do you want her to pursue wisdom and be wise when it comes to that area? Girls, do you want a husband that's just chasing tail right now and he's just going to do that until the day he meets you? And then you got to live with his regrets and you got to live with his decisions? No, that's not saying that they're, they're bad people or their lives ruined or, or, or that their eternities are ruined, that God doesn't love them. I'm just asking you to think. Because sometimes we, we want things for other people that we're not willing to do for ourselves. And so we ask ourselves this question. The band can go ahead and come back up. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? In light of my past experience, what I've gone through personally, just for me, my current circumstances, where I'm at right now, my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? What is it for you? And are you willing to do it? Are you willing to change your decisions from this day forward? You can't, you can't go back and fix what's already happened. But are you willing to make different decisions, wise decisions moving forward? And I'll close with this. You may ask yourself, well, I've already messed up. I already have regrets that are, that, that are too big to even talk about, that I, that I feel like I can't share with anybody, that I'm embarrassed about. I'm in a situation with an addiction to pornography that I, I, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know who to tell. I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I've made some unwise choices. And yeah, I can, I can change what I'm doing going forward, but what about my past? Here's one more verse for you, and then we'll close. 1 John 1, 9. It's in the back of the Bible. Little book. There's a guy named John. He was like best friends with Jesus, so he would know. He would know like um, what Jesus would say about sin and sexual sin and, and all of those things. It's 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Here's what one of the best friends of Jesus says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He won't just forgive you. He will also purify you. That means that 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 mean that word literally means to free you from guilt, to free you from the guilt you feel, to free you from the shame you feel, to free you from anything associated. Yeah, you, you might still have some consequences of the decisions you've made. 
that relationship might still be broken. Whatever happened to your body might not be able to be undone, but you can be purified from the inside out if you confess. So what I wanna ask you to do, I want you to ask you to, to bow your heads, close your eyes. Bow your heads, close your eyes. This is a, a moment of privacy. And if you're in this room and you feel as if you've messed up, you have a regret when it comes to the area of, of sex, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's, maybe it's the mental lust that goes on in your spirit, Maybe it's something you're doing with your boyfriend or girlfriend or some random person that you met last week. I don't know what it is, but if you have a regret when it comes to an area sexually, or if you're, you're experiencing something from unwise choices when it comes to sex, maybe you're in it right now, maybe it happened 10 years ago. And you just wanna confess it to God and you just wanna, you wanna lift it up to God and allow him to forgive you and purify you. Whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, I don't care, I don't care what your situation is. If you feel like that's me, I, I've messed up a little bit and I need some forgiveness. I need him to lift this burden off my shoulders. I want you to be brave. And on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm gonna pray over you. And I want you to pray alongside me for God to just really release you from this situation, release this from your spirit. So on the count of three, raise your hand. I want you to be brave. No one's looking. One, Jesus loves you too doesn't matter if you've messed up. He wants to purify you through you. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want you to be brave. Keep your hand up. I think a lot of times Satan wants to convince you you're alone, that you're the only one that deals with this. Can, can I tell you the number one thing that we read on prayer cards from middle schoolers, high schoolers, boys, girls, even our leaders, myself, everybody is sexual sin, is areas of lust. And Satan just wants you to say, okay, I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll worry about it later. No, 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 don't do that. Deal with it right now. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we pray over these students and adults. We pray over each and every one of us, Lord. We pray for forgiveness. I pray that you would lead us into wisdom. Lord, I pray we wouldn't follow our hearts, but we would follow your heart for us. We may have messed up, but we know that when we turn to you and we confess our sins, that you will forgive us and you will purify us, Lord. So I pray that you would purify some people in this room right now. Release the pain from them. Release um, the burden of sin. Release the guilt. Release the shame. Take it off their souls and off their minds and off their hearts, Lord. Purify our hearts. There is no cure except for you. You're the only one that can cure our hearts. And I pray we would not run from you when we mess up, but we would run to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's worship Jesus. I just felt like um, after, after I left the stage, um, I felt like uh, God just kind of put on my heart, like this is, this is uh, maybe it's not you, but maybe it is you. This is like the sermon where generally you're gonna it's gonna be the hardest to come to the altar because you're gonna be like oh, i don't want people to think i've messed up well i don't think i don't want people to think i look at pornography well here's the truth i have 80 percent of us have like it's this is a common thing most people have sex before they get married most people go farther than they want before they get married so this is not this is seriously satan wants this room for you to just put your hands in front of your chest 
and just close your eyes and wait for the service to be over and say, I'm not going to deal with God on this. I'll come back next week and I'll be all about it. But this week, this is, I wish I had even known they were talking about sex. I wouldn't even showed up. But listen, listen, listen. Don't allow this time to go past this, this song to even be sung, I'll, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a Ryan Sweat, and I'm going to ask y'all to sing the, 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 whatever, the bridge again. Because it, it, as it talks, it's talking about everything we just talked about. Our heart basically will destroy us and leave us in a world of regret. And this song just says, here's my heart, God. Like, I can't fix it. I'm messed up. I, I can't control it. I can't control my urges. I've got to give it over to you. You have to do work on my heart. Because I'm made pure in you. Because you endure like you can do all things in my heart. You can change my heart. You can forgive my heart. So if that's you, I want to invite you in this next song. Put your hands up. Come down to the altar. Go to your leader and have them pray over you. Maybe you're going through something right now when it comes to an addiction or something with lust that you need prayer over and you need God to break those chains because you're not out of that situation. Maybe you're out of the situation. Maybe you're out of the relationship. Listen to me. Don't, 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 don't check out here. Maybe you're out of the relationship, but you're still experiencing, you're still experiencing the pitfalls of regret and the things that have happened in your life that are just eating away at your soul, eating away at your heart. God wants to take your heart and purify it and make it whole and create it again anew in your spirit. So don't let this moment go past. Don't let these minutes go past without allowing God to work on your heart when it comes to sexual sin, when it comes to some unwise choices you make. If you're a girl, if you're a guy, I want you to, to put down your pride. I want you to come down here to the altar and I want you to pray for God to do work on your soul and admit that you're in a messed up situation and leaders i want you to come down i want you to pray over your students because we're not going to allow another generation another 200 students go throughout their life just being destroyed by satan's biggest weapon which is our hearts and which is sex and which is lust do not let satan win if it takes you just getting out of your seat and coming down and putting your knees on the pad and doing that then do it but do not let yourself leave this room with the same regret and the same fears and the same temptations and the same old, I'll just figure it out on my own. Stop chasing after your heart and chase after God's heart for you. Can we do that together? Can we do that together? So if that's you, I want you to move right now. Move right now. Move to that leader. Move to the altar. Do whatever you need to do and deal with God. And I want you to sing this and I want you to know that this is true. Your heart's not true. This is true. So let's sing together.